Welcome to This Week in Louisiana Agriculture. This is the podcast edition of this week's show. If you would like to watch the video form of this episode of Twyla, head over to our website at twylatv.org. You can also find all the information related to all the different stories in this episode at that website. Again, that's twylatv.org. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Hello, I'm Kristen Oaks-White. And I'm Avery Davidson. Thank you for joining us for This Week in Louisiana Agriculture, the only TV show bringing Louisiana farmers and consumers together every week. Well, the 101st Annual Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation Convention is right around the corner. This year's convention will be June 22nd through the 25th at the New Orleans Marriott. That's where Louisiana Farm Bureau will recognize the hard work happening at the parish farm bureaus across the state throughout the year, as well as some individual awards and some competitions that happen during the the convention. Convention is always a great opportunity to, to network with other farmers, ranchers, and rural residents around the state and shape policy that will guide the state's largest general farm organization into the future. One big thing many are excited about is Farm Bureau Friday Night, the big party with a live band happening on Friday night following the youth talent competition. Of course, the talent competition and Queen's contest are always exciting events where some of Louisiana's brightest take the stage to represent their home parish. It's at the 101st Annual Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention that we will learn who is the top young farmer or rancher of 2023. There are three finalists for the Louisiana Farm Bureau Young Farmers and Ranchers Achievement Award. Over the course of this show, you're going to get to know them a whole lot better. We begin by introducing you to Kelsey and Amanda Duyon of Lafayette Parish. It's feeding time for Kelsey and Amanda Duyon's cattle outside Maurice. Their sons, Wyatt and Walker, are eager to help that's because these cattle are getting a sweet treat, donuts. We get the donuts from a local bakery, and um, it's just their trash. It's the stuff that they don't sell during the day that they can't sell. And we go and pick it up and give it to our cows because they can eat it and make meat. So, <laughs> And it's also not going into landfills. So that's kind of the reason we started doing it. So it's our little sustainability story, but hey. It's fun. <laughs> and fun is the name of the game for the Duyas. It's why Kelsey enjoys their 30 head of cattle and 600 acres of sugarcane. It's like being a kid, being a kid playing in, in a toy box whenever you were eight, nine years old before you even had any responsibilities. And it's, it's like real life. You're driving tractors and you're, and then you play with animals all day long and like you ride and it's peaceful. Peaceful work for this sixth generation farmer who is a diesel mechanic by trade. But for Amanda, production agriculture was not the initial plan. I did kind of grow up in a rodeo family, so I was always around horses and cows. And then my dad went into the oil field and we started moving around quite a bit. And so I guess you could say agriculture has always been a part of my life in different ways, but never row crop, not until I got married to Kelsey. The Duyans work well together, tending to cattle at the barn. But like any good husband, Kelsey does blame his wife for their involvement in the Louisiana Farm Bureau Young Farmers and Ranchers program. She went to a cattleman meeting and someone of them approached her to come to one of their meetings. And we didn't know nothing about it. And they was like, just come to one of the meetings and see. So we went and we, we started from, we went to one of the meetings and then that's what got us going. That was in Vermilion Parish, but now the Duyas are sharing their YF&R experiences 
with their neighbors in Lafayette. Within Lafayette Parish, it was kind of a dormant group for a while. We didn't really have any YFNR people. Since joining, we've actually already got uh, more couples involved and they're committed to start coming to more events. We've actually got even more coming in in the next year. So we're super excited to, to kind of share the wealth and show what we learned in Vermilion Parish and bring it into Lafayette Parish and hopefully start growing our district as a whole. But that's not all the Duyans are helping to grow. With the help of their farm dog case, they're helping grow children's knowledge about where their food comes from. Amanda wrote this book, Case and the Sugar Run, and it's available in schools all around Acadiana. It also represents the Duyans' love for farm life. There's no other way to live, and especially with a young family, putting your kids into that situation to where they, they appreciate nature and they appreciate the land and growing up, understanding responsibility. Um, they, my little boys, uh, my oldest one will come out and take care of his calf and feed her every morning and every night. He's, he has his own little sheep that he takes care of and chickens. And then my youngest one is always out in the garden with me every day. And he waters the garden. He has his own little pumpkin plant. I mean, there's, there's nothing better. Robert and Rachel Duncan raise cattle and soybeans in Rapids Parish. Along with their crops, they are raising up three girls who they hope will someday become the fifth generation of their family to farm. Twyla's Carl Wiggers traveled to Boyce to show us how the Duncans are growing the food we eat and the flowers to brighten our day. A new generation is learning to check crops in Robert and Rachel Duncan's soybean field. These girls also love to get hands-on with the livestock on the farm. Oh, it's no other feeling just because it's the nostalgia of it's the same exact thing I did when I was their age. Having three kids, four and under, oh, it's a struggle, but man, is it a beautiful one. They absolutely love the farm. Rachel loves life on the farm as well. So much, in fact, she decided to start her own farming venture at the urging of her friends in Louisiana Farm Bureau's Young Farmers and Ranchers program. I started off very small. Um, I think I started off with like, it was like a 16th of an acre. And then I was like, okay, I can do this. Currently I'm on a quarter of an acre. I'm trying to give our local community something to make them smile and something that's gonna last a lot longer than what they get at the grocery store. While Rachel tends to the flowers, Robert has put a ton of focus in their cattle operation over the last few years. Marketing directly to consumers down the street opened up new doors for the Duncans to sell their beef. You know, that's why we started it originally in, in 2018, was being able to, to take those calves and make a little more money with them than we would just sending them, whether it be the sale barn or, or through Superior Livestock, um, just to try to make a few extra dollars on those. Not only is it the money, it's the, you know, providing local beef for, for people, you know, not only our family, but you know, the community, whether we're selling at farmer's markets or we've got neighbors that call us once or twice a week and they'll swing by and pick up some ground meat for supper, steaks or hamburgers or whatever. So it's, it's being able to provide that, you know, that service for our community. That service to the community would not happen without teamwork. These two lean on each other to keep the tractors moving, the cows fed and the flowers growing tall. You're not getting stuff done during, you know, regular business hours. So you know, without her, things down here, around here would stop because I would have to stop and go to town and take care of those, you know, whether it be signing papers or whatever. Something else they share is the stress that comes with farming, regardless of the crops they're growing. You don't get to, you know, stop at the door and take your boots off and leave it outside because you go home and you go in and you eat supper and you're thinking about it. You're talking, putting your kids in the bathtub and in the bed and you're thinking about it and you're going to bed thinking about it. You wake up thinking about it. It's just, you know, 
it's always there. You can't leave it alone and you can't forget about it. Any way him and I can lean on each other, we do. We, we talk about it. We try not to leave anything bottled up. We help each other as much as we can. And we just take one day at a time. Another stressor all farmers face is maintaining the land for themselves and the next generation. When you think of sustainability, you should be able to think about doing this again next year and the next year and the next year. Whether it be, you know, and I'm not necessarily talking about money, but talking about the land. You know, everybody wants to think that farmers are, are you know, tearing stuff up. We're, we're just destroying the country or the planet. When in all reality, we're probably taking better care of it than most because we've got to have this land forever. We are stewards of the land. We, we are taking care of this land for our next generation. It's a very prideful thing. The generation before us kept it intact, so we're trying to keep it intact for those to come. Aaron and Jamie Lee are cattle, crawfish, rice, and sugarcane farmers in Vermilion Parish. While Aaron is a sixth generation farmer, like many young farmers, he and his wife struggle with staying ahead in agriculture. Twyla's Neil Malasson introduces us to this couple with a lot of hope and a brand new addition to the farm. Aaron and Jamie Lee are taking the time to survey their rice fields here in Vermilion Parish. Aaron is a sixth generation farmer and says wading through these fields is just in his blood. I'm a sixth generation farmer, uh, probably the fifth generation to farm rice. Uh, and and it, it was it's hard. Uh, that's why we're trying to keep we're trying to keep some acreage in rice just for, you know, just because uh, we can't just quit cold turkey. Aaron's wife, Jamie, is a teacher at nearby Kaplan High. While she wasn't raised in farming, she teaches agri-science and has fallen in love with the lifestyle here at home. And I think a big part of that is just to let people know that we do have the safest and most sustainable food supply in the world. And I feel like a lot of times people lose sight of that. Um, and being a teacher, especially an ag teacher, really allows me to show how we combine science and technology as well as the old methods and just bring everything into the future to help feed the world. While the Lees have been generational rice farmers, they've been laying the groundwork for a new crop here, sugarcane. Uh, as of right now, as we speak, I have roughly 900 acres of ground that's earmarked to put sugarcane on. Uh, possibly more uh, if, if, if we have some success. You know, I might expand that into some of our maybe uh, family land, you know. Uh. Sugarcane isn't the only new thing on the farm. This past March, they welcomed Aaron Jr. into the world. It was pretty busy. We were planting rice, spraying sugarcane, working sugarcane, uh, working a few cows. It's just been, it was real busy that, that particular week when he decided to, to bless us with his presence. <laughs> But we made it work. Um, actually, that whole week, uh, I kept thinking I was going, going to go into labor that day, and Aaron was coming home at you know 8 o'clock at night every night in the fields all day. The weather had been nice and dry, so he was working. Um, and he kept joking, if you can just hang on till Friday. And, and sure enough, he came home Friday night and was like, OK, I'm done. And a few hours later, I went into labor, and we headed to the hospital. The Lees say despite the challenges, the rural lifestyle is important for their new baby. Both parents have hopes that the way of life here will be something that rubs off on AJ for years to come. We've already, you know, taken him with us to go check the rice. We'll go ride on the side by side with baby and dogs in tow. And it's just such a beautiful place for him to grow up. And I just, you know, I can't wait to see the days where 
you know, he runs out the door to go meet Aaron on the tractor or, you know, ask if he can go ride with dad or, you know, watch Aaron teach him all the things that he's so passionate about and hopefully carry that on. The Lees say that even though being young farmers with a new baby can be tough at times, it's a lot easier with a Farm Bureau family. You know, if I'm having trouble in the field or if they're having trouble with something, you know, we'll call on each other and, and, and help each other out and get our problems fixed. And, and sometimes it's just, it's just a call just to, just to talk and chat, you know, regular old friendship. For This Week in Louisiana Agriculture, I'm Yoma Lawson. All of the Young Farmers and Ranchers Achievement Award finalists will travel to New Orleans for the 101st Annual Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention. At the awards program on Thursday, June 22nd, one couple will be named the 2023 Achievement Award winner. And there's a lot on the line. Prizes include a $35,000 cash prize and an all-expense-paid trip to Salt Lake City, Utah to compete for the National Achievement Award in January of 2024. We'd like to wish all of our contestants the very best of luck. Oh yeah, and Kristen, we could all use a little luck right now because June 1st marked the beginning of hurricane season. And already we've seen the first named storm of the 2023 Atlantic hurricane season. Tropical storm Arlene formed in the Gulf of Mexico and fizzled out before hitting Cuba. LSU Ag Center climatologist and WAFB chief meteorologist Jay Grimes tells us what we can expect over this summer and National Hurricane Center director Michael Brennan says the time to get prepared for one is now. If we look back historically, when we have an El Nino in phase, the total number of storms in the whole basin tends to be suppressed. It doesn't get knocked out. It just comes down a bit. But here's the thing. When we look at El Nino's and Louisiana, there's less of a link in terms of a reduction or an increase in activity. So in the end, all the chatter about El Nino and its impact on the hurricane season is good science but it really doesn't have a huge impact on Louisiana. And more importantly, it has no impact in terms of whether you need to be prepared or not. Sadly, you've got to assume that one is coming this year. In the last 20 years, Louisiana has had 27 named landfalls. Busiest 20 years on the record books. Now, I'm not saying that that's the new norm, but there's no reason to think that number is going to come down significantly anytime soon. So maybe we will have a quiet season this year. But you know, each and every year, you got to have your game plan ready to go before we get to June 1. The one thing I like to emphasize is that, you know, we lose almost as many people after hurricanes in this country as we do during the storm from the direct forces of the storm. We lose a lot of people after the storm due to accidents from cleanup, uh, carbon monoxide poisonings from improper generator use, heat related fatalities, medical related fatalities. So I always want to emphasize to people that you need to, again, have that preparedness plan in place, have that emergency supply kit so you make sure you survive the aftermath of the storm, not just the storm itself. Hurricane season runs through November 30th. Here's hoping for a quiet season. To get a game plan for hurricane season, head over to our website at twilatv.org. Well, still to come on Twyla, we have some fun with some Louisiana Farm Bureau staff getting ready for the annual convention. But first, a topic we don't talk about enough, mental health. Stay with us. May was Mental Health Awareness Month, but as we all know, mental health issues are not limited to one month of the year. Because of Mother Nature and unpredictable commodity markets, farmers face it daily. As Twyla's Brianne Hendrickson shows us, a big part of dealing with mental health is simply to talk about it. 
According to American Farm Bureau Federation, 63% of rural adults consider the stigma of mental health an obstacle in receiving help. Another 65% says embarrassment is also another factor. Mental health happens in and out of the agriculture community, whether you're in your field tending to your crop or out in the pasture tending to your livestock. This week, I got to talk to Keith Howard, fourth generation farmer, who is helping bring insight into what some farmers might face. When I went into my job, I never took on the thought that it was going to be something that I might someday need a little bit of counseling for, or that I might suffer from anxiety, but it comes. And there's an old saying that Mother Nature bats last, and she does. So with all of the best plans that you lay out, she can come in and fold it. Family nurse practitioner Amy Howe sees the encounters people in the agriculture industry face, as well as the challenges that rural communities are facing with mental health. Mental health is kind of um, the ugly word in the room. Um, nobody really talks about it, and I think that's the biggest part of the problem. We have got to find a way to normalize somebody admitting, hey, I'm stressed, hey, I'm anxious, especially in our farm population, especially in our rural population. I feel like most of us, myself included, were raised up to be Southern tough and uh, to handle our own problems and to not, um, not share our fears and our worries with other people, but it's really difficult. Um, to carry the load by ourselves all the time. And, you know, in rural Louisiana, lack of access to care is a major thing, and so there's not, there's not a counselor on every corner, or there's not um, a mental health person that someone can talk to. Probably pastors at churches are, are the most um, available local counseling type situation that I see people have. Howard is working with the next generation, his son and his nephew, on more than just farming. Uh, we formed a little partnership not too long ago, so we have a little plot of land that we're renting. We're all kind of in a, a learning process. I'm learning how to, to train farmers and they're learning how to learn to farm, so it, it's uh, been interesting. but. There are certain things that I do discuss with them about um, anxiety and how to keep that at bay, but mostly it's uh, through farming practices, and I guess I should be do a better job of that because you've brought some light to my eyes today about this is something that needs to be discussed. Mental health in the agriculture industry matters. Farmers matter, so do you. If you or someone you know needs help, you can contact one of these numbers we have listed on our screen, or you can head over to our website, twilighttv.org, for more information. For This Week in Louisiana Agriculture, I'm Brian Hendrickson. We see farmers and ranchers using technology to help them on the farm all the time. It can also help with mental health. These days there are online therapists you can call, text, or even FaceTime while in the tractor or on the road to drop off livestock. Farming is stressful, and you don't have to face it alone. No, you don't. Reach out to someone. Well, still to come on Twyla, we have a few questions for you. Well, not for you, for Louisiana Farm Bureau staff. It's about our convention coming up. But first, we can take a look at crawfish prices around the state. Stay with us.
Before we get to our Twyla Boost, we want to boost your appetites with the crawfish price update. I see what you did there. In Benton, B&D Seafood has live crawfish for $2.50 a pound and boiled is $4.79 per pound. In DeRitter, you can visit T-Boy's Crawfish for some live crawfish at $1.99 a pound and to have them boiled for you, it's $4.70 per pound. In Winsboro, Clark's Crawdad Hole has live crawfish for $2.50 a pound and boiled only $4 a pound. Make sure you call ahead to check prices and availability near you, and we recommend grabbing a few extra pounds just for good measure. These crawfish prices are brought to you by the Louisiana Crawfish Promotion and Research Board, which reminds you to always eat Louisiana crawfish and to make sure always ask before you eat. Well, Kristen, we are reaching the tail end of crawfish season. You see what yeah, I did I there? It. Yeah, yeah. so you may want to get some while we're all down in New Orleans for the annual Louisiana Farm Bureau Convention. Well, another thing you should make time for at convention is a little fun, which is exactly what we made the Louisiana Farm Bureau staff do this week. We asked our co-workers some fun convention questions earlier this week, and their answers are sure to give you a boost. Okay. No, because now you hit the red button. Read it out loud. So is the walking in part of it? What is your one convention must-have? Ooh, snacks, chocolate, comfortable shoes for running around. Comfortable shoes. Comfortable shoes. Water and coffee. That was two. Coffee, number one. Um, coffee. What is my one convention must-have? A leave, because I get horrible migraines. Ooh, a, uh, a clicker. Uh, like a slide changer, because forgot that my first year, and then the little AV people charge you an arm and a leg, so I come equipped with my own these days. If you could only bring three items to convention, <laughs> what would they be? Uh... Clothes. Uh, three pair of pants. Three pair of shirts, three shirts, and Three clean underwear, uh, I guess would be the, the three, uh, well, that I would bring. Maybe I shouldn't have said three of each, but a pair of pants, a shirt, and clean underwear. There you go. Cheers. Don't forget your belt. I have a particular honeybee necktie that I'm pretty fond of. Probably my blister band-aids. Sweatpants, flip-flops, caffeine. Comfortable shoes. My hairspray. A straightener. Makeup. Chapstick. I guess my laptop. My cell phone. It'd be my cell phone. My computer. And a sweater, because I'm always cold. Jacket. A sweater, because it's always cold in the Marriott. My pillow. My own pillow. Jessica. She's not an item, but if I don't have her at convention, I don't know all the things that we've planned over the last few months, so she's gotta be there too. The uh, work order. I have to have my work order, so I guess that counts as one. The convention binder, because everything that you need for convention is printed and in that binder. And, um, oh, my binder, gotta have my binder. 
Now, if you're going to be joining us at convention in a couple of weeks, be on the lookout for our social media team when you register. They may have a couple of questions for you, too, and we'll use those during some of the night events at the convention. Well, that does it for this edition of Twyla. Be sure to join us next week when we'll wrap up our series of interviews with the people who want to be the next governor of Louisiana. We'll speak with Attorney General Jeff Landry and Treasurer John Schroeder. Until then, you can watch all of our stories online at twilatv.org. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, TikTok. And you can also find these stories and more on our YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe, turn on those notifications. That way you, you know when we put something new out. For all of us here at Twyla, thanks for joining us. We hope to see you again right here next week. Thanks for listening to the Twyla Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about any of the stories you heard in this show, you can head to our website, twilatv.org. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you next time.